hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Two, one. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Go on, ask me how I came up with that ridiculous title. How did you come up with that ridiculous title? That's a great question. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, do you know you know what the quote is, right? I do, yes, yes, oh, yes. Okay. It's a Tom well, Baker. I've got to tell you then, have I? Well, no, but I can't remember what story it is. I hope it's Dylan guess it. I've had some fantastic people say that ridiculous title for a podcast. <laughs> I made Gary Russell say it one time. I made Perfect. Toby Haydoke say it, honestly. <laughs> and without a hint of irony as well. You know? <laughs> Can I ask you a question about the theme tune? Where is that yes. you? No, that's not me. Please. <laughs> that guy can sing. Have you heard me trying to sing on this thing? I've not, no. Well, on one episode, right, I did a, a cover of Going Underground uh, to an episode of at the invasion of the dinosaurs and i did my own lyrics all about professor whitaker and his time travel <laughs> experiments well go and seek out invasion of dinosaurs episode five and I shall. absolute zinger and then you'll never ask me again if i did the title sequence of a hamster <laughs> no it's um it's a friend of mine who ju- really just fell in love with the podcast straight away and he was like this is crazy like you just intro and there's no music can i can i do you like a theme song and i was like yeah can i pay you for it and he's like no i don't want any money just just, just use it and I, I said all right i'm thinking oh man oh man what the hell is it going to come up it's going to be bloody dreadful you know and because it's a gift i've got to use the thing and then he did it and i was like wow that's really Incredible. fantastic and people say to me now, it's, it's like um, Aqua's Barbie. It goes round in their head <laughs> all day long. <laughs> it's a very catchy theme tune. And like sometimes that's all you need. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like some podcasts, it is just like a couple of seconds or a little jingle at the beginning and things like that. Some don't bother at all. There's a fantastic one um, called Lazy Doctor Who which yes. is uh, Erica from Verity and Stephen from Radio Free Scaro. And mm-hmm. they just say, hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. And then they yeah, start. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, how did yours come about then? Well, I, I actually change. I mean, I just try to find different versions of the theme tune, but I change it every series. So the first one is like, I think it's Kef McCulloch and Sylvester McCoy on the spoons doing a version of a theme tune podcast and then I used an old 80s convention one and now we're currently using the Dimensions in Time theme from the Cybertech people and who knows what I'll, I'll use next I actually already know but uh can I just say right uh your podcast has got me through many an overnight shift over the last four weeks oh that's very kind of you no worries thanks for listening I think my all-time favorite though was the shakedown return of the Sontarans commentary I absolutely loved it well because I'd already done a commentary on that I'm like what else is there to say quite a lot apparently (laughs) the moment where you both say that Caroline Ford isn't doing any acting at all as a crazy old drunken (laughs) (laughs) man Made me laugh my head off. <laughs> well, Do you have any favourites? Any favourites of your own episodes? Of my own episodes? Oh, um, <laughs> navel gazing. Uh, yes, of course I'll I do. do it. <laughs> um, I really like me and uh, Mark Donaldson from On the Time Lash did quite a peculiar episode where we looked at the musical careers of Doctor Who stars, um, which was um, wow. I mean, it's quite a long episode. It's about an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes. But we tried to get somebody from every era of Doctor Who. And I hope we're witty enough to walk, talk our way through it. And then we did the ultimate adventure at the end because that's got musical numbers in it. 
Business is business. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we were both quite pissed by the end of it, if I remember correctly. Um, And then I also, me, when I was hosting it with my brother Jack, we did one where we covered the script for the unmade, the last of the Time Lords film from the early 90s. And I just, that was nice because it's just a bit of Doctor Who that nobody ever talks about. So I think those are probably my favourites that we've done. But, you know, it's just it just really varies now it kind of varies based on the guest as well, but in terms of, not in terms of quality, but in terms of what they wanted to cover and they want to pick, like sometimes yeah. it could be quite a traditional safe thing. And sometimes people are like, I just did one with uh, Luke Malloy, uh, which looks at, um, we did some Torchwood, we did some Jago and Lightfoot, we covered some of his fan fiction and it was great fun. And that's just, it's kind of the luck of the stories. You never quite know what you're going to pull out of them. Not only do I fancy the arse off Luke Malloy, but also <laughs> he came on this and did uh, Love and Monsters and The Rings of Akatin and declared both of them absolute classics. And I love both <laughs> of them as well. Man, he's good, isn't he? Well, that's it's a fantastic. terrible shame his podcast has, has stopped. Because... It, it, it's a terrible shame, but he, he, as he said, he's happy to come on anybody's podcast anytime. So I will uh, always invite him back on Too Hot for TV. Are you listening, everybody? Luke Malloy is ready to whore himself out on any podcast going. (laughs) (laughs) He's going cheap, so snap him up now. Here, I'll I'll look Invasion of Earth, episode five. Should we do that? I'm glad you didn't ask me what my favourite ones of these were. Oh, no, I I didn't. I put 500 of these out now. How do you expect me to remember? I mean, looking at your back catalogue, I just feel lazy. (laughs) I've done about 40 episodes. That's 500 of this. I've got um about 15 of the big finish one out i've got of 52 of the star trek one out and yeah. i did the other one the nine moon praise and that's got another 70 odd episodes i mean this you say that you thought that was quite long an hour and a half you do realize this thing's going to be about three hours long you and me talking yeah very very true yeah but you know they get it in little little chunks don't they well it's you and me as well that should be fucking grateful right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> we're doing the lord's work <laughs> go on then. let's go into five <laughs> Who's okay. counting in? Uh, you do it. Go on. Okay. Let's press play in three, two, or one. Off we go. Although I do, I have, I have to say, I do, obviously I do really love the ones I've done with my other half, but that's only because that's how we met, you know? So yeah. like... No, that's, that, 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 it's, it's a lovely story. Um, and I, so it was Luke Malloy that actually got me into, um, got me onto your podcast and, uh, I, I sort of checked out a few episodes and then I've just been main veining them ever since, you know. Bless you, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a slightly psychotic glaze in your eye. <laughs> oh, the slither's back. We've got a new slither now. Yeah, he's, look, a... he's got massive long tentacle, massive eyes. He's been adjusted since last week due to um, people not thinking it was scary enough. And obviously it's terrifying now. <laughs> yeah, he's a lot scarier uh, now. Isn't he? uh, now, obviously, uh, the Daleks 63 to 89 um, group have obviously done a whole half an hour video on why the sliver change and how it changes. And it's well worth a watch if you're the sort of person like me that needs that much information in their lives. May I say, the amount of effort that they go into... It's in insane. those videos, you know, like in that Victorian street in Talon's Wing and Chiang, it's those yeah. people, the Terry Nations Army. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. I'm like, you've got to study this stuff in some depth to find yeah. these details. Like, the, the, you know, the grazing on a Dalek bump 
to show yeah. how that Dalek has been from Dalek Invasion of Earth all the way through to Remembrance of the Daleks. Yeah, it's wild. It's like it's it's a level of research unheard of for anything that I would ever do. But worthy of much praise. Yes, indeed, indeed. I can sit here and watch Doctor and talk about it <laughs> and try and be half witty. But, you know, that's the lazy man's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so we've just missed the sliver uh, actually fall to his death. Like it was mm. a short-lived career, but I guess the actor got two fees, right? Because he's, he's got his fee for the thing, and he's got his fee from the Daily Mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's in two episodes, and there's a lovely sound where the sliver falls to his death, and it's just like. Ah. And that's my Slither impression. That but it's is just... incredible. And we could be a double act, you and me. <laughs> yeah. the, the two Slithers. Sliver, the Slither couple. The, <laughs> the, the, the Slitherers. Um, instead of the Archers, we'll just be the Slitherers. <laughs> and um, as you see, Billy's back this episode. Yes. Now, look, you know, weirdly enough, I didn't, I genuinely did not notice his absence in the last episode. And that's because there are a lot of characters in this and there's a lot going on. But boy, oh boy, he lights up the screen when he comes back, doesn't he? He does. He does. And, you know, I've, I'm surprised that modern Doctor Who doesn't do more Doctor Light episodes, especially when you've got... Sorry, that's a fantastic shot there of two robo-men peering down a sewer. Just to Although the one on the right looks like he's going, oh, what's going on down here? <laughs> yeah, wants to join in. Thinks he's found some basement club in Berlin or something like that, ready for an exciting night out. Um, but, yeah, I'm surprised... The way that Doctor Who is filmed now and stuff like that, especially when you had a bigger cast in like the last few seasons, doing Doctor Light episodes where you all character light episodes where you don't feature people so much is I'm surprised they don't do that more in order to sort of basically get more bang for your buck because you can double double bank and be shooting more episodes at the same time. And just because it allows you to be quite experimental as well. You yeah. look at the ones that they did, um yeah. turn left, blink. Yeah, yeah. monsters you know they're they're divisive stories some of them but mm. they're doing something a bit different yeah they are and i just think there's there's a lot more room for that sort of stuff and also just exploring the lives of the companions more with with potentially without a huge kind of input of the doctor but uh you know what i'm not in charge of doctor who so they, no one's mm. asked ask me my thoughts on that or me and it's a bloody good <laughs> thing i'm not as well you know? <laughs> without seeing in praxeus when those two hot guys were kissing in the tardis yeah a bit of that going on, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a sequence there where they had to kill the Robomen in order yeah. to get away, and it was it was a proper kill or be killed. Like you know, there was a desperation to it. Doctor Who hasn't really done much of that to this. No, point. and also you get William Hartnell coming out of a tunnel and beating one on the Robomen <laughs> with a stick. He's a vicious bugger when he gets going. Do you yes. see him throw that fellow out the window in the Romans? Yeah, I, I, ne I never buy that the, the Doctor's a pacifist. I know there's some criticisms that have been levelled at the Jodie Whittaker era. It's like, oh, she lets a lot of people die. It's like, the Doctor's always let a lot of people die. Always. It's just, Colin Baker, yeah. if he didn't do one, you know, two or three genocides a week, that was a bad week for him. <laughs> <laughs> but William Hunter would just sort of gnash his teeth. Do you remember that sequence, that rather comical sequence in the chase where he's fighting his own double? Yeah. He is basically away. Oh, it's William Hartnell going, no one's going after my fucking job. And he's got his <laughs> stick waving around his head. But he's he's vicious. He is absolutely vicious. And I love this touch of these two old women who, uh, I mean, they're not, one of them's old, the other one's not. But um, so they're just... Again, they're opportunists and they see this opportunity like to help the, the, the Daleks in their own way. And then they sell out 
Jenny and Barbara. Yeah. Also, I don't know whether you know, very sad story. The the younger one, uh, what's her name? Jean Conroy died before this was aired. She was really? yeah, she died in a uh, a road traffic accident. So she yeah, this is her last work as an actor. You know, people I'm gonna say something that might not be popular, but people mock that John Levine commentary in the time monster. Do you remember where he goes about, exactly what you mean. about the baby? And well, at least he got to be in Doctor Who. I think what he's trying to very untactfully say is at least that person is immortalized and enjoyed yeah. after their death. And I do think there's something in that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, th- I think it's just a little bit uh, delicious yeah. <laughs> the, the style of John Levine. Yeah, he got to be in Doctor Who, so it's all right that he died. No, John, no. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? I swear this is David Whittaker. All of this character stuff. I think... Um, you think? Robo Man brother. I think a lot of it. I think they did say, didn't they, that uh, Terry Nation... It's in a, it is in a documentary. I think Richard Martin says it, that Terry Nation would write a lot of the daring, do a lot of the action adventure, a lot of the sort of world setting. Then David Whittaker would give it a once-over. Right. And add a lot of the character stuff. Oh, that's a shame. I'd like because I'm giving all the credit to Terry Nation, but uh, you're probably right. Well, see, I, I, I've always said you can kind of tell because from script editor to script editor, because Terry Nation did so much Doctor Who over so many periods. Mm. Like when you get to something like Genesis of the Daleks, suddenly he's doing like morally complex arguments that he's never yeah. done before. I'll be very Destiny the Dalek. Suddenly he's doing, you know, hitchhiker style gags that he's never done before. Yeah, no, very true. Very true. I'd be interested to see. I don't know. We always talk about the original scripts, the original versions of this, but I know Big Finish are releasing this year that uh, original Genesis of the Daleks. I'll be very interested to see what Terry Nation's first version of that was like, perhaps without any input from Robert Holmes. I had, a, I had an argument with my wrath about that. Like, who wants to listen to those first drafts of these scripts? Me. Do you know why? Because I'm scared that that original Jerry Davis Revenge of the Cybermen was better than the one we got. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't get through that. I had to turn it off after the first episode. Oh, was it awful? Yeah. Um, but I think I, the Genesis of the Dalek one is an interesting one. And somebody I know who works for Big Finish said that on the Genesis one, they de-aged Tom Baker's voice. To make him sound like he did in the seventies, which wow. is interesting. I don't know whether it made the final thing, but I mean, I hope so. That'd be quite interesting to hear. We seem to have gone down a mine shaft here. We uh, have, which I feel may be pertinent to the plot. <laughs> we are. We're suddenly in a mine shaft uh, with Ian and his mate. It's um, again like they're just the story keeps on going and keeps on evolving in a way that you know a lot of. It doesn't feel like there's any padding in these six episodes because all the padding feels like it's these little character scenes like Barbara with the um with this old the old crone. Um so I I never feel like we're really in a we're really treading water at all. What is it? I'm gonna make a very bizarre sort of tenuous link now between all Terry Nation's stories, so prepare yourself. But what is Terry Nation's obsession with going down? <laughs> <laughs> In the Daleks, we head down into the city. In this, we head down into the mines. Um, in the chase, we go downstairs into Iridius, into the city. Um, oh, I can't think of a <laughs> Daleks master plan. Uh, where did he come back? Oh, in the planet of the Daleks, we head down. There are all those Daleks yeah. under the, in the ice cave. Genesis of the Daleks, we head down into the bunker. In Destiny of the Daleks, we head down into the city again. 
And in the original version of uh, Destiny of Genesis, the Daleks that's coming out, Harry Harry Sullivan goes down on everybody, and that, that's why they had to rewrite it. I'd love to see that version. You know? <laughs> Apparently, he does great work on sailors. <laughs> well, he was a pretty man. He was bisexual, well, you know. He, he was, yeah. And there's, there's that thing of I think who was it that revealed it? Was it Nicholas Courtney or was it? Elizabeth Sladen, I can't remember, but yeah, he's apparent. Oh, and Tom Baker says in an interview that you could just see it in his eyes whenever he was around um, other sort of queer men. So yeah, it's and um... he, was, he was like a very sort of well built bloke, yeah, very gentle and very intelligent. Man, yeah. man, I bet he was utterly fanciable. Do you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I bet it was a love. He, he, he comes across lovely in the interviews I've seen with him, and I'm sure. But, you know, perhaps it wasn't a to-do that uh, a man should be bisexual, especially not a burly rugby bloke like yeah. him back then. So perhaps... We weren't, he should... we weren't ready for it then, were we? No. <laughs> so now, I'm... I mean, look at me, I'm so butch. <laughs> <laughs> but he's... Um, yeah, I just I wonder whether he just struggled with it a lot. I mean, there's that... We may have talked about this last time, but there's that inference from Katie Manning, isn't there, that Nicholas Courtney was bisexual yeah. as well. That's, yeah, uh, it's kind of sad, isn't it? It's sad that yeah. that had to be that had to be hidden. What's going on here? They're grabbing a load of baskets. Yeah, I mean they're just, they're um, just putting some stones in the baskets, you know. That poor old man looks like he's on death's door. Doesn't he? Well, he, he's, he, he is. He's been down that mine for a long time, and they're just going to chuck their stones in there, carry them out. That's what happens. I do like I do as this goes on. I do find the Robo Men more and more effective in a way that I thought they were quite silly to start with. But I, I'm actually they're actually growing on me a lot. I mean, I've already said to you about um, a scene later on where the fella has to kill. Well, the, he kills his brother, who's a Robo Man. Mm. They kill each other, and it, it's probably the bleakest scene. Yeah, in Doctor Who. Where Hang on, is it? Is it now? Oh, it might be right. Yeah, it is right now. It yeah. is right now. And he's literally firing bullets into his chest and the other one's yeah. strangling him. Yeah. And it's like, this is kids' TV. <laughs> yeah, it's just not. This is not a happy-go-lucky TV show right there. Oh, bless him. His name's Phil. I can't think it. There's such a mundane name. <laughs> Phil the Rover Man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it is. And they're both giving... Well, he's giving it his all. The other guy's giving it his all. What does it? What's it say on his neck? There's something correct. I think it says charged. Ah, right. He's, oh, there you go. Yeah, he's fully charged up. Look. Yeah. Now I'm wondering if that is something that the Daleks do, or whether that's something that the studio people did to go. This one, the flashing light works on it. <laughs> like, so like when they put the numbers on the Daleks. In the yeah. <laughs> oh, but he's trying to make him remember his old life. He's going, your wife Angela. You know, do you remember? Yeah. Phil and Angela, they sound like such a lovely couple. <laughs> Larry came over every Christmas. <laughs> oh, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. No, that is going to live out of, in the apocalypse. Yeah, no, he's shooting him in the bloody chest. That's yeah. that dark as. That is really, really savage. Yeah, like they're both selling us. No matter how silly the Robo men can be i think if you're seven years old in the 60s that's up there with night of the living dead i'm giving it that 
I mean, it's not it's not like um, they're expecting people to go there, but you know, like there's me sitting there going, oh, you know, playing about in the garden when they were seven years old, having a great old time, having no idea in the future they were going to strangle and blow the shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the seduction scene. Here we go. Oh yeah, it's very exciting. I'm sorry if someone came up behind me with a great slippery fish, I'd punch yeah. him in the face. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, you're not trying to fuck me. No. <laughs> and even if you were, you're not you're not getting it now. I'd be like, stop fishing me and start fisting me. For God's sake. <laughs> get, that, get that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do believe their chemistry. Well, yeah, me too. Like, as I said, I wouldn't particularly want to be stuck with either of them for the rest of uh, all time. But uh... but I think if you're going to do this, mm. like set it up and make it, you know, authentic don't just have Leah and Andred hold hands at the end and go yeah. well we're staying together it's one of the more believable character kind of companion exits he's sort of gently stroking her hand they have a little kiss and then Hartnell comes in with a cracking line something's cooking <laughs> <laughs> and they have a kiss you don't get that you don't get that in Doctor Who for about another 30 or 40 years probably I don't know, you know, Caroline Ford is very adept with playing with that fish, isn't she? <laughs> oh, she slapped a few wet fishes around in her time. <laughs> we stop going down this line. <laughs> I won't sleep tonight, honestly. Now, I mean, even like Vicky, her replacement, like her goodbye is just, it's not foreshadowed at all in the Myth Makers, is it? No, there is a sequence where Stephen goes, oh, that, that dishy Greek... And she's like, he's just my friend, you know, leave, leave yeah. him alone. Yeah. Yeah. Although right. The Myth Makers is such a great script, I don't care. It is, it is, but I mean, I don't think from Susan's point of view or um, Vicky's, I don't know whether I would ever fancy someone enough to want to be trapped in an age that wasn't my own, that was in the distant past, because this is the distant past for Susan, right, as well. Yeah, like... I don't, but I don't think the ending wants you to think that she thinks that the right decision has been made because yeah. she's just staring longingly where the TARDIS was, and she kind of can't even hold his hand properly, can she? She's sort of she's holding it, and he has to sort of yeah. drag her off. You know, like yeah, maybe you're maybe you're supposed to ponder. Was that the right yeah. thing? It's it almost it's almost something that if you, I mean, it's a plot that you would hope would be revisited if you were doing it now, but obviously they didn't revisit it, and then. When she next meets her grandfather, it's in the death zone on Gallifrey, and she doesn't mention a single thing about David. No, she doesn't even notice how he's been recast. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's got a lovely Mac on at that point, and that's the main thing. That is true, and she can still trip over a rock like the best of them. She can, she can. I really like the scene though, where, and I think this is where Richard Martin's at his best, where he just puts a camera on the actors and lets them act, mm. where um, Susan. Says, you know, David's got an idea for this. And the doctor's like, Do you think this you know, young man's got better ideas yeah. than me, child? Then David comes along and then he says David's idea. And she sort of hugs him. Yeah. And it, you, you can kind of see all the beginnings. Like, that's the bit I think when I first watched this and I was going, What's happening here? Like, yeah. <laughs> the dynamic between um, Hartnell and Caroline Ford here is just, I think, is really fantastic in a way that I don't always pick up on it in some of the other stories like I really feel like they care for each other in this one and I believe that it's uh you know that they are grandfather and granddaughter and yet I still don't think it's a patch on the chemistry yeah, with Maureen O'Brien no not at all which is why it gets over Vicky so soon <laughs> why it gets over Susan so soon so <laughs> what a marvellous replacement for my granddaughter you are and you can act 
<laughs> you gamble. It's <laughs> fantastic. Oh dear. <clears throat> it's another obsession with termination, you know, carrying about a load of rocks. Oh, That's he loves rocks, he loves miners, he loves yeah, slaves, those sort of things. He does I'd love shaft, doesn't he? He does, he does. I'd love to see like some of his other work in for his IT ITC spy series and see whether all these tropes are still in it or whether he's writing different sort of stuff. So I heart told me this wonderful story, right, where he wrote this story for one of the ITV, ITC shows and then he didn't have time to write another script. So he just changed the characters' names and then wrote the same script for another show. Incredible. And, yeah, and no one noticed. The except this was in his autobiography. Nobody noticed. That's that's amazing. That's that's fantastic. That's I how mean, much they were churning those things out. The they time. were, though. They, but they'd have, like, a bunch of sets for those, like, old ITC shows and go, right, this week Danger Man's doing this, 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 and this. So in the Champions or whatever, you need to use the same sets, and that's just, just how you do it. And that does go to prove what uh, an inspired concept Doctor Who was, because you can't get away with that on this. No, the only the thing that are... gets the only thing that gets reused in Doctor Who is that little triangle wall in the seventies and the eighties that appears everywhere, from the TARDIS to. Do you know the first story that appeared in? Come on, trivia time. I don't think I do. Don't tell oh. me I'm going to be able to tell you a bit of trivia. Let's go explain. on, hit me, hit me. It's the mutants. Is it Skybase wow. in the mutants? And the fella goes on that. I kept using that in every bloody show going. <laughs> Did I get a penny for that? No. <laughs> Brilliant. That, that fantastic wall. Do you know, have you ever seen the um the Ray Cusack interviews when he didn't get any money from the movie? He oh, was a bitter yeah. man, wasn't he? He was a bitter man. I, I can't I was listening to a podcast years ago and they said they were at a convention with Ray Cusack and they were sat with him at the bar and uh you know, he started whinging and telling his stories of being a bitter man. And they were like, oh, this is quite sad and quite interesting. And then he just started being extremely racist. They were all like, okay, God. see you later, Ray. No. I mean, the more O'Brien says that about Harnold, doesn't she? And the... Yeah. And she goes, you know, I loved him. So I just sort of pushed it to one side. Yeah. I've heard people say it about Michael Wisher as well, that he had really? some interesting political views, shall we say. I, it was a different time. It was a different time. And you've got to think, like, most of these people were born, like, post-war, before the war, most of them, actually. So it's like, it was a completely different time. Is that Dalit missing its... Sorry, this is I've only just noticed. Is it missing its light on its dome? Very possible. But like we just said, they were making this in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Where, um, yeah. Richard Martin was at lunch at this point. They just said, you yeah. just shoot this scene in the night. I'll, I'll be back from my pie and chips in a bit. Yeah, no, it's missing the light. Oh, very odd. Was... So why are Barbara and Jenny now being taken away? Oh, because they've they're going to they've got some very important news for the leader of the Daleks, haven't they? And oh. this is where she's going to talk about the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> the... <laughs> that whole sequence is just great. Yeah. Okay, so it does it does sort of feel like all of our characters are coming to the same place now. Yeah, like it's all ramping up, you know. We're getting ready for a, a big finale. The Daleks are looking menacing. Like, can I say that Black Dalek is pretty damn sexy? You oh, know? it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And the little Hitler salute, one of the Daleks did just then again. I remember. Who I said to you, what was the first time you saw the Daleks, and what was your reaction to it? I remember with my ex husband's niece yeah who I was very very close to um and I was like I'm gonna get her into Doctor Who early I'm gonna get her so I did as well and I gave her a Dalek toy and she was about two years old 
and she would not stop touching it all the sticks and the but she couldn't understand it it really yeah. like I, it, for me it was the first time i'd seen a child absolutely beguiled by this weird shape yeah it's that thing that i think terry nation like originally said like he didn't want it to seem human how do you make it not seem human and you remove the legs and you remove the arms and you remove the eyes and it's not even like a cat or a dog or something like that it, just completely non-human so you can see why giving that to a child they go what is this is like nothing i've ever seen before and in sort of their most visually interesting scenes in this i think you've got lots of daleks on the screen and the eyes are going and the sticks are going and there's lots of sort of weird movement you're not quite sure where to put your eyes you know yeah although i still think you know that um that animation, the second animation they did of Power of the Daleks. Yeah. They smoothed out all the Dalek animation. Man, oh man. And it's so gorgeous. Yeah, it is. I don't it think is. the Daleks have ever looked better than in that animation. They look great in that. And then, like, a few months later, the BBC dropped their Daleks animated online series. Did you see that during lockdown? A little like... bit. Not much. No, because they ruined my mechanoids. They gave them these weird female voices. <laughs> well, they had to give them some dialogue, didn't they? End to end to stop wasn't going to cut it. With... There's your Nazi salute. Yeah. Did you see that shot there? And it was yeah. all on a sort of Batman yeah. style angle. Yeah, no, it? it's, it's a really good shot. It's a really good shot. But the, the Daleks in that BBC animated thing didn't look as good as that second animated power of the Daleks. It was, it was very odd. I don't I don't feel like anybody's quite nailed Doctor Who as an animation yet in any kind of format. All the different things they've tried over the years, from Dreamland to um, the animations for the missing episodes, I just... And it's such an obvious idea as well. Yeah. Because the series lends itself to it. I'm very grateful that they've done them, because I think adding that visual element does give those chance, those stories a chance to sort oh, yeah. of live in, yeah. in this day and age. I find it very hard to sit through a Telestap slideshow of recon. Yeah, me too. I mean, I've, I've, I've batted this story out a million times on these, but that time when my ex-husband walked in and I was watching stills on the TV, <laughs> he went, what are you watching? Are yeah. you watching photographs on the TV of Doctor Who stories? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it ended. What was going on there? Oh, and I'm not quite at the end yet. So, oh, uh, oh now I am. Yeah, we've got okay. about thirty seconds between us. Uh, Ian was in a bomb, about to be dropped out of mine shaft. Next episode, Flashpoint. Well, it's still a pretty exciting idea, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, as we're saying, things are things are ramping up, and we're headed for an exciting climax with uh, Susan and David. So exciting <laughs> climax is something I'm very fond of. Um, <laughs> Do you think um, this could be truncated? Because obviously the movie's an hour and a half. I think there's always room. A lot. I think there's always room to truncate classic Doctor Who. And uh, I might have said this on the last podcast, but um, I'm a big believer in if the animations come back, I'm saying truncate them. Give me, give me an hour and 20 minute version of Dalek's Master Plan. Make a really tight, exciting animation. I know it's heresy. So I, I, I've second got... time on this very story that you've said something that has made half of the audience listening <laughs> faint in shock. The other time was when you said they need to remake these. Remake the whole <laughs> I love it. I'm a man with controversial opinions, apparently. Do you know, I've got a friend, I don't know if I said this in the I don't think I did. I've got a friend, right? I won't name, no, I will name him. He's about to bring it out as a blog. Uh, Stephen B from the New to Who podcast. Mm. 
exceptionally clever man what he's doing rubbing shoulders with me i've no idea he's <laughs> such a clever bloke and um he has taken it upon him to reimagine the entirety of classic who in the style of the new series with narrative oh, wow. arcs and uh, i i heard that and my blood ran cold and i was like well that's a chilling idea what are you doing you know that is heresy. Yeah. then he told me his ideas um, and I'll point you in the direction of it when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, please do. There is, like, the way, and the way he talks about it so passionately, and the way he brings in characters like the Master in Hartnell stories and things like this, it was absolutely inspired. I think once people got over the initial shock of your idea of, like, you know, right, Doctor Who's ended, long live yeah. Doctor Who, you know, <laughs> I think it could be amazing. I think it could too. I think there's there's so much to mine in the sort of classic series that we've kind of done the revisit it all, bring back the old favourites. So what else is there to do? Now, obviously, someone like Russell T. Davis has gone, I know what we can do and we'll find out what that plan is in due course. But for me, like I've just I would just be tempted to just go start it all again. Well imagine doing the web planet now. I know. Oh. Oh, it would be absolutely beautiful. You know what Rusty Davis is saying? He thinks, you know what? I'm going to take Doctor Who off Chibnall and I'm going to bring back Beat the Meep. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Mean, everything, nothing's off the cards now. Nothing's off the cards at all. It's going to be great. But for you and me, yeah, I think we're heading for a flashpoint. We are heading for a flashpoint. Shall we go and recharge our glasses and then return to this uh, very spot in a moment's time? Let's do it. 